Welcome to the Ekasi podcast, a podcast by the University of Edinburgh Mastercard Foundation Scholars Program. Here at Ekasi, we believe that stories have the power to influence and inspire our university community. Thanks to the lived experiences of scholars, stories have emerged about culture, race, identity, leadership and gender. Through this podcast, we want to use these stories of day-to-day life to address themes and inspire our community to reflect, connect, understand and where needed challenge one another to make change together. On each episode, we will have two guests in the studio to discuss different topics around the experience of Edinburgh, the university. Hosting the first season of the podcast alongside Julian Mashingaize, I am Geoffrey Jovo from Zambia, a second-year medicinal and biological chemistry student here at the University of Edinburgh. My name is Julian Mashingaize. I'm a first-year Mastercard scholar. I'm going to be taking you on this Edinburgh first journey, and I hope to have a fun season with you guys. I hope to take you on a journey as we take our guests back to their first experiences of Edinburgh. Our guests will recount their memories of how they navigated a different system and way of life. Colossal love to all of you. Really thrilled to be coming your way. Today, we are particularly going to talk about first flights. And my co-host today is Julian. As if I'm Geoffrey's partner in crime and you can't prove we did anything as of yet. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, So our first guest is Blessing Mcherera from Zimbabwe doing environment and development. Mm -hmm. And then the second guest is Zoeme Buda Steves who studies international relations with quantitative methods. Blessing. Hi, I'm Blessing. Uh, they call me the Blessing. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe? Um, I'm Zoe Mabude Steves, as Geoffrey said, and quoting him, I'm introducing myself and <laughs> I have been introduced. Solid stuff, solid stuff. Um, so today, as Geoffrey said, we're going to be focusing on the theme of firsts and we're going to particularly be looking at our first flight here to Edinburgh, the experience we had how it changed us, how our perceptions at the start and perhaps at the end may have shifted. So I guess to start off with, how was it on the plane? How was it kind of going from Zambia and Zimbabwe and kind of heading here? How did your mentality change as you went along the road? I guess let's start off with blessing. All right. Uh, Yeah, my first flight was not really the one coming to the UK. But when I came to Edinburgh, it was my first time to come to the UK. So it was really interesting. But um, I should mention that I started flying at the age of 34. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You had so much patience. (laughs) So much patience, 34 years to wait. And then I started flying. That was in December 2017. I was coming from Zim- I was going- coming from Zimbabwe going to Tanzania for a business trip. Yeah. It was only for a week, so yeah. you can imagine all the hype, all the preparation just for a week, and then now coming to Edinburgh for a full year. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a dream, should I say? Um, you know, thirty-four years of waiting, and um, back home when we were kids. We used to, when we see airplanes uh, flying above our houses, I think Julian can. <laughs> we, we, we used to, to, to shout, Ndege, Ndege, Ndege. Oh, oh, and Ndege is aeroplane. Aeroplane. Yeah. Oh, we, call, we, we say the same in, in Zambia yeah. as well. So, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so just, you know, the feeling of seeing an aeroplane 
makes yeah. you feel thrilled and happy. You can imagine now myself in an airplane. Oh God! Oh, what, heaven. <laughs> what heaven! What <laughs> heaven! <laughs> yeah, and Zoe, how was it? Was it your first flight? Actually, yeah, it was my first flight coming to the UK. But yeah. just like blessing, it wasn't my first flight because right. uh, my parents were missionaries when we were when I was younger. Right. So they always flew around Kenya, South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana. But I would say since I like became a young adult, yeah, I hadn't really flown anywhere. Right. So I'd always look at planes, especially because my high school in Zambia was such that it was close to the airport. When planes like take off, you mm-hmm. would see them. So we saw those every day, and it would be like, ah, someday I'll be in these. Someday yeah. I'll be in these. Yeah. Coming to the UK was very interesting for me. It was actually my first time flying alone. Right. Because I had two friends who were also coming to Edinburgh, but they lived in Lusaka, which is the capital of Zambia. Right. And I lived in Livingston, so I was on my own. We were supposed to meet up in South Africa, but complications happened. And uh, funny enough, I actually couldn't make my flight in South Africa. So I was stranded at the airport for an extra, uh, I think, 18 hours. Oh, God. Yeah. And it was very interesting because I reached a point where I feel like the airport workers and myself reached an understanding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and some sort of, uh, you know, it's like some mutual respect because yeah. after some time they got used to seeing me and it was like, hmm, hi and hi. You know? <laughs> like, are you an yeah. airport intern? <laughs> yeah, they're probably wondering because I actually gave many people directions. Because <laughs> I reached a point where I knew, okay, Terminal 5, you go uh-huh. there, you turn here, you yeah. go left. You know, <laughs> but eventually I I was able to make um, my next flight and I came to Edinburgh and uh, it was very interesting. I slept all the way from like Africa to the UK, but I couldn't really believe when like the plane landed at Heathrow because it just seemed like such a dream. Yeah, I'd always heard yeah. about Heathrow, Heathrow. It was always a big word, you know, and then finally to be in that Heathrow was uh, very powerful. And just following on from what you've just said about you had always heard about Heathrow. And obviously there was a particular kind of imagination that you attached to, to, you know, the whole thing of being in the UK. Mm -hmm. And based on the movies that we watched, for example, you know, there was this whole kind of the way they they narrated people who had been to to Europe and they came back and how they changed and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So having that thing in mind and also the fact that you were flying to come to this this almost paradise of some sorts. Like, how crazy did you go in terms of imagination? Like, the place that you were headed to, even though you slept for most of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the harder part was actually trying to calm my imagination down because it had built up over years that it made it seem like Heathrow would even be like a land where like the grounds are made of <laughs> diamonds or something. Yeah. You know? Um, but I was imagining this very huge, very magnificent place where like, I can't even describe it. It seems almost like a heaven on earth sort of scenario. Right. Yeah. And I was a bit disappointed to find out Heathrow is actually a man-made like place, unfortunately. <laughs> and like my brain had told me, you know. But still being in Heathrow, like talking to people, I actually asked, I think I asked about two people, like, is this Heathrow? And then yeah. they said, yes. Did your plane land here? I said, yes. Are you sure you're on the right flight? Because why are you asking? You know, but like it just, it yeah. was very... It was very good to actually see that, okay, it is a real place, like the airports we have back home. And yes, it is quite beautiful, but it is, in fact, a man-made building. Yeah. So it was very interesting. Yeah, and, and blessing, how was it for you? Yeah, mine, uh, so I used KLM. KLM. Yeah. So I came through Amsterdam. Right. And 
I'd learned about Amsterdam in school and being the busiest airport of all. Yeah. I was really expecting a lot of movement, you know, a lot of, there were a lot of aeroplanes. I saw a lot of KLM aeroplanes there and I was, I was stunned to the number of uh, aeroplanes that were there compared to the ones that we have back home at our airport, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think on a daily basis, aeroplanes that land on a daily basis back home probably should I say five to maybe less than 10 flights? True. Yeah. Mm. So when I saw just a lot of them packed there, I was amazed. I was like, do they have fewer to fly them? Why are they <laughs> Should they not be flying? Yeah. And can they make some of them come to my country? You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was right. really amusing for me to, to, to have that experience. But one thing that I wanted also to see that kind of disappointed me yeah. when I thought it was the hub of, you know, like uh, logistics and transportation. Of course, I saw the aeroplanes, but I thought I'd see maybe the the baggage, you know, being moved somewhere, right. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But mm. I saw nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I guess it was a situation of more questions than answers yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody still has to answer that for me today. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it's nice to hear that you guys had a solid flight coming here. Um, my flight was anything but solid, and I guess my story was like it was like a seventeen-hour trip to get here from Zimbabwe. So I kind of got to Harare, and I was in a situation where it was like a last-minute thing. I was told twenty-four hours before that, okay, this is my flight. So mm-hmm. then I'm packing, I'm getting ready, and then in the midst of my confusion and my anticipation, I forget my wallet. And it's got my ID, my driver's license. Thankfully, it did not have my passport. (laughs) So I get to the airport and I realize this. And I'm quickly realizing, where is this? Where is this? Where is this? Then my little sister's on the side and she's like, oh, I've got this green thing. I thought you might think it's important. And I was like... Oh, God bless you. Was it <laughs> your passport? passport? Yes, it was oh, my passport. Wow. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky can one be? You owe your sister something. <laughs> yeah, I owe something else. And, you know, then you kind of get in and you're in this long trip, right? So I was from Doha to Edinburgh because I took a flight to South Africa. Then from South Africa, I went to Doha. It was smooth sailing. I was just sitting. I was in Qatar Airways for the first time. And it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, let me watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was sitting next to a couple. It was nice. They were a bit too lovey-dovey for me. But it was yeah. <laughs> I'll probably headed to their honeymoon or yeah. coming back for me. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've also had that situation before. It's quite hard, especially if you're moving from South Africa to 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 the UK, it's like about eleven hours or so, and so being in the company of people that are, you know, is a is a force to reckon with. But it's the power of love, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we can call it that, and let's leave the rest to imagination. Yeah, but then from the way from Doha to Edinburgh, I was sitting next to another couple, an Australian couple, who were heading to Edinburgh to see their grandparents, and they had a little baby girl. Her name is Emily. I think she was around two years old, and I'll never forget her because she made my trip so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say so memorable. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> no, she, she, she kind of threw up on me. Oh. She would kind of come onto my seat and start pulling my ears. You know, it was oh. just, you know, and I guess it kind of took or distracted from the anticipation of kind of heading to Edinburgh. <laughs> and so I had no time to think about it. Then I kind of get to the airport and you know, I'm tired. I'm just like, oh, it's been a long day. And then you kind of just realize, whoa, I'm in 
the UK now. I'm in a foreign land. I'm looking around and I'm like, whoa, there are many students lined up. And I'm like, I'm really here. And then the feeling of anticipation kind of builds. And I think that's kind of something that you guys have all kind of relayed, you know? It's a powerful feeling. You just like... Yeah, yeah. And just following on from this, I, I think like um, when we were in high school, we would sit down with friends and then talk about how, you know, we had hopes of, you know, flying to a different country, for example, China or Russia or the UK or America. And, you know, that there were some friends who would say, the moment I'll get on a flight, I will swear never to come back to Zambia because <laughs> like that will be it yeah. for me. That will be the change for me. And so like it was a, it was slightly different, like when that moment became true. And for me, there was that kind of like, an overwhelming feeling of responsibility that what, what was going, I was carrying my nation on my shoulders and there were a lot of people looking up to me that I had to make proud and like, you know, I was going to become this great person and come and create impact and all those sorts of imaginations. So like, did any of you feel that kind of experience as well, that you had, you know, so much responsibility on your shoulders coming here or you were one of those that were like never to return or something like that? <laughs> So let, let me tell you something that happens. Uh, I don't know for Julian, but uh, when we leave uh, Zimbabwe, when we go to the airport, yeah. the whole village comes with you <laughs> to see you off, to say farewell, you know, yeah. as if you're never returning. But it's only, even if you're going for a short trip, like a lot of people come. So those memories, that presence makes you feel responsible you know yeah. even when you leave you really want to come back and change their lives you really want to come back and impact positively on on yeah. those who came yeah. to see you off yeah. Yeah. even those who don't come to see you off they send you messages they text right. you some sent you and you have you have the responsibility of sending you their photos like your photo at the airport before you leave and at the airport <laughs> yeah. when you get down <laughs> yeah. and show them the plane that you got onto. <laughs> yeah. Also just take a photo outside the window. Just also, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so all those, all those like really get you thinking that you've got some people back home. You've got yeah. colleagues to, to inspire. You've got family to, to show that it's possible because well, flying is a dream, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So when you fly, you've got, a brother to inspire, a little sister to, to tell. Sense. Oh, yeah. you one day it's gonna be you. And also a responsibility to take them on a flight one day. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 are you going to do that? Do you think? I I have got no choice, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got no choice. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> and Zoe? Um, I think I'd like to believe that when I was younger, I was uh, unfortunately one of those crew who were like, when I leave, I'm never coming back. <laughs> you, know? you all would just look at my pictures and say he was here once. <laughs> you know? But um, I think one thing that happened as soon as I entered the South African Airways flight in Livingston is I started to sing Country Roads. Yeah, mm -hmm. and not the original version, the Ray Charles version. Right. I felt very suddenly. I was very aware of my heritage and of my Africanness and yeah. of my mm -hmm. African roots. And getting here, yes, quite all right. It's this. It's an amazing place. It's a beautiful place, and it's advanced technologically and in a lot of other ways. But I always get this feeling that this is not my home. I yeah. I don't belong here per se, and I'm here for a purpose. And but I have my home. 
You know, it's like yeah. going to a marketplace. No matter how beautiful a shopping mall is, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you have to go back home. All right. That's where you live. And that's the kind of feeling I have towards Africa. It's not really like an overwhelming feeling to provide for someone or to, um, you know, make an example for someone. I'm actually an only child. Yeah. Uh, with no siblings and my parents are pretty okay being themselves and right, yeah. I don't have a big extended family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I still feel like, no, I have a responsibility to go back home because that's where I belong. And all of my effort, all of my work should go back into where I belong. 100%. You know? So that's how I feel. Responsibility and, mm. you know, just, just, you talked a bit about Africanness, mm. you know, something that I've always struggled to understand. So, you know, what do you mean when you say Africanness? What does it mean? When I say Africanness, I think I'm talking about everything from like our history, yeah. our heritage, our cultural identity, our national identities, our languages. You know, we are different. You know, we have a different vibe, if I can use that word. Mm-hmm. There is a way that you can feel comfortable in, you know, sometimes you can just enter a bus in like Livingstone. Right. And then someone is just talking and then you just talk to them and you get a feeling that you and that person, you're from the same, you've gone through relatively like the same sort of background. Yeah. We can, he can start mentioning a story from Zimbabwe now mm-hmm. that we can relate to yeah. because we're all Africans. For instance, and, yeah. your story about like looking at the planes. Mm-hmm. Are, I think all African <laughs> children have done this. Yeah. We all have these stories, yeah. you know, we all yeah. have stories like this and we can all relate to that. And that is like our unity. And that's the beauty in our unity. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, if I start a story about looking at a plane, people probably look at me like, we enter planes every other week. <laughs> it's you know? nothing special. In yeah. fact, yeah. actually, I had never been on a train till right. I got here. Right. Wow. Really? I had never wow. ever been on a train. Planes, yes, but a train, no. Oh. So I actually, I got on a train when I was here. Right. And I was so like amazed at everything and people were just looking at me like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But like, that's what I mean by Africanness. You know, it's a combination of all of these things that these minute things that just make us who we are. Yeah. Yeah. 100% and blessing. Do you have anything to add on that? Yeah. Um, there are things that I never knew were important until I got here yeah. to show me my Africanness. And uh, like Zoe was talking about um, this communalism, like family, extended family, yeah. relatives. I was talking about the village, you know, coming right. to see you off. The whole of it. Yeah, the whole of it. You can imagine. Here, when you're flying, I think it's just one person that sees you off and probably that's your lovey-dovey fiancé. <laughs> <laughs> I like I how he looks at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, uh, usually it's just you. So when I got here, I, you know, began to embrace the richness in family, in relations, extended family, should I say. Yeah. And one other, one other interesting thing has to do with totems. I don't know whether you have totems in Zambia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you know, yeah, it's, it's something really unique and it connects us in a special way, you know. Yeah. And it's difficult to explain to somebody who doesn't understand what a totem is, but I feel proud about it because that brings out the uniqueness, that Africanness, that difference, you know, that I can... Uh, tell somebody and they feel like they are hollow because they don't have a totem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got something to say, yes, I yeah. got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that's just a powerful point on just general your Africanism or your Africanness. And it's something that I think 
I think about. I'm not sure if you guys do, but you know, you kind of look at it and you're like, MasterCard has given us this opportunity where we can kind of just come up on a plane to a 17-hour journey that's like 1,500 pounds to kind of get here to Edinburgh. And, you know, you kind of look back and it's like, that's a powerful opportunity to study here for a year or four years Mm -hmm. or however long it may be. And I guess you have to use that opportunity and kind of take back the skills you get here and kind of build that opportunity for others, young scholars. And that's something that kind of keeps us moving on together. True. True. And I kind of like that. And I kind of like that touch where you were like, you know, I want to kind of send everyone in my family back on a train you know, yeah. on a on a train or on a plane or whatever it may be and that's something we should all aim to do in general um looking at it slightly differently though like um how does having that um that responsibility that sense of responsibility or like you know you've got stuff that you have to do you owe someone a flight, you owe someone, you know, a, a good life and education. How does that affect your experience here, for example? Like, does it, you know, are there certain things that you maybe you refrain from doing or like, you know, certain things that you just don't partake in because you've got that responsibility? You're like, you have to be very careful and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, is that? Yeah. So two things that come to mind quickly. One of them has to do with uh, resp- responsible spending, <laughs> finances, right? Yeah. Because I've got an, a responsibility that I have to fulfill. I ha- I also have to make sure I spend responsibly. Yeah. That means I save to make sure somebody gets on a plane. And that responsibility also uh, spawns out to my health, my social life, the way I relate to people you know, thinking forward that I have to preserve myself for somebody, uh, for family, for relatives, you know. The next, the second thing, which is very interesting, is that I have to learn as much as I can, you know, so that if I don't manage to fulfill, to fulfill the responsibility of bringing somebody here physically, I can bring them virtually Tell them about the good experiences that I had in Edinburgh. Absolutely. Tell them about uh, what Heathrow is like. Tell them about what Scotland is like. You know, yeah. the difference between the the, um, uh, the hairy coos, you know, <laughs> and the coos we have back home. You know? <laughs> so all those things, it means here I have to, to live a rich experience. I have to try to, within a short space, I've got one here here. In that space, I have to fit traveling around. I have to to fit learning the language so that when I go back home, I just show my my experience, my rich experience, yeah. my rich yeah. my make that connection, that global north, global south connection. Right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Would you say yeah. you're kind of trying to give them something to aim for? Yes, yes, definitely. It's it's trying to inspire them in a positive way, should or or indirect way, should I say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that because it's like you're sharing your experience with them. Mm-hmm. And even if some of them don't come here, by you sharing that, uh, you're like already allowing them benefit from it. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good thing. Just trying to look back, really, because for you guys in particular, it's been about it's since September. It's not a long time ago. And so like if you are given an opportunity to describe how you felt when you just landed, one or two sentences, how would you sum it up? Hmm. 
landed in the UK or in Edinburgh? Yeah, when you when you got to Edinburgh, you saw welcome to Edinburgh somewhere. I felt it was raining, uh, it was <laughs> windy, but I felt warm. The main reason was because there were some people to receive me yeah. from Zimbabwe, from my country, yeah. and they were dropping the Zimbabwean flag. You know, wow. I felt warm. Wow. Wow. I felt welcomed. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and I and I think like something about when you meet people from your country in a different country, mm-hmm. it automatically becomes family. True. You know, there's something magical True. about that. It's True. really, it's really fantastic. True. Um. Well, uh, because my flight was late and I came the other day, I was the only one on my flight. Like I said, and. I think one thing I actually forgot to mention is I was actually the only black person on my flight from Heathrow to send Edinburgh. Me, send me. <laughs> you know? And it was very strange for me. And when I stepped out of the, the plane, this was the first place that I had experienced that was colder than the plane. You know, right. I was thinking this plane is really cold. Let me go out. It's going to be warmer. And, you know, I was wrong. But my first impression was, okay, this place is going to be very dark, very windy and... I felt very lonely that first time coming out of the plane as the only black person in this plane, not knowing if anyone was going to receive me. Mm-hmm. I was happy to find Christina yeah. waiting to receive me, even though I had never met her. She just looked at me and she looked at me and she waved and I waved and I knew, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That was, that yeah. was a divine connection. <laughs> that, was, that was just a sign, you know? Um, but like I always say, my my real first impression of Edinburgh, I wouldn't say came from the airport. I would say it came after I arrived in Pollock because yeah. I was there and I was the only student there again. I heard where the others were and I decided, no, I will go and find these people. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know where I was going. Right. I just left Pollock and I said, I'm going to George Square. I don't know where it is, but I know it's a square and yeah. it's named after George. You, know? <laughs> you know, that's all I knew. Yeah. And I was lucky to find Geoffrey uh, there uh, and he... He took me there and it just made me feel at home. And I feel it was fitting that the first person I saw was a Zambian mm-hmm. from back Whoa. home. And I felt, okay, yeah, you know, I nice. felt yeah. I'm going to make it. Quite yeah. interesting. Geoffrey does have the theme of being the first MCF guy you see when you get here. He's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the questions there should have actually been, how was your first meeting with Geoffrey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we all have it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it was similar for me, I guess. I was also alone. I'd also come late. And then mm. you're kind of getting there and it's quite daunting. You're just like, there are all these people. There's no one like me. Then you kind of come out and then you just see a little sign with your name. It's like Julian. And you're like, oh, yeah. that's my name. And then you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes like, you ask yourself, am I the Julian? Or? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so we, we can wrap it up for now. Um it was a great discussion. You know, we talked about first impressions, but we wandered all over. You know, we talked about Africanness. We talked about, you know, back in the day when you could sing in decay and whatever. Yeah, you know, it's it's a really great part of, of who we are and how we find our identity and all of that. Zoe and Blessing, we really appreciate your coming. I think we really did have a fantastic time. Julian and I agree on that. To our listeners, I hope you enjoyed the session as much as we did. In the next episode, we will be chatting about the first day in Edinburgh, walking in hills, first impressions, weather and clothing, and much more. Make a date with us. (laughs) 